You know what time it is. It's time for the Dodcast. 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 Dennis, the menace. Folks, welcome back to the Dodcast. I'm currently sweating my absolute balls off here in uh, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Uh, I'm doing a little medical placement out here for the summer, um, and so far it's it's been going very, very well. Really, really enjoying myself. The the people of Tanzania have been extremely welcoming. I'm, I'm actually in a studio here, which uh, which has been kindly given to me for the afternoon. So, um, listen, I hope you enjoy this episode. It's it's really an absolute privilege uh, it was an absolute privilege to speak to this guy Connor Devine Connor is an Ironman ultra endurance athlete and an author of two best-selling books a successful businessman a health promotions activist but most importantly a single dad to two gorgeous kids but on the 21st of August 2006 at the prime age of 28 while on his honeymoon in Mauritius Connor Connor's life changed forever Connor was struck down with a serious neurological condition known as multiple sclerosis or MS MS affects the brain and the spinal cord, causing the person to experience severe limb weakness, loss of balance, loss of vision, sensory pain, leaving most patients wheelchair or bedbound for the rest of their days. The first few years of his illness were absolute hell. As, as he said himself, he went through the five stages of grief, starting with complete denial. He couldn't look after himself or anyone dear to him. His marriage, unfortunately, during this time actually broke apart, um, broke down, and, and Connor was left with absolutely nothing, or so it seemed. A talented sportsman in his youth, Connor always had a fighting spirit. He was not going to just roll over like that um, and let his condition defeat him or define him. He started to take bold steps forward, asking more of his body, and became a student, as he said, of the condition. He spent hours of researching. He said he spent hours researching the disease and novel ways to regulate it. After coming across Dr. Terry Walls, a famous clinician suffering from MS in the United States. He completely changed his management approach. Against his doctor's recommendations, Connor decided to stop using his injected daily medica- medication to change and change to a strict plant-based diet. Quoting Hippocrates during the, uh, the interview with him, he said uh, multiple times to, to others alike, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. I had the absolute privilege to visit Connor's home just outside Belfast and meet his wonderful kids. They, like their father, follow a strict plant-based diet. Curious to see if the seven-year-old girl had any objections to this, uh, I asked his daughter, um, did she? And (laughs) her response was absolutely perfect. Why would I uh, do the same as my friends? I will live a way healthier life. In this week's episode, we cover a wide array of topics uh, circulating around chronic illness and ways to overcome it. We speak about engaging your passion, becoming self-reliant, and the importance of finding a mentor. An absolute brilliant episode for anyone who with, inter- with the interest in personal development uh, and, and re- trying to reach your maximum potential in life. As always, guys, again, thank you so, so much for your continued support of this podcast uh, and, and of myself. Um, I know that the production of this podcast has probably been far and few between recent months, but this is probably due to my recent recognition that quality is most definitely uh, more valuable than quantity. Please, again, give the podcast a follow on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud, and let me know what you think uh, of this week's episode or previous ones. Really keen to build upon what has already been done, and, of course, there's a lot more work to be done, too. So here we have episode 26, Iron Mind. Let's get this party started. 
I'm massively excited about this uh, this interview. We're sitting here with a fantastic man. Mr. Connor Devine, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me on the Dodcast today. No problem at all. I'm delighted to come on the show. Um, I, <laughs> your story is interesting, to say the least. Where, where do we even begin? What, what we normally do at the start of the show is get the, the guest to, I suppose, introduce themselves or speak about themselves in a couple of words. Um, so if you want to go ahead and do that. Right, okay. Well, I'm 41 years old. Old, um, a single dad, the two young kids. Young Connor is six, uh, Liliana is eight. I also run my own business. I have a few businesses. I'm always, I'm really interested in entrepreneurism and in business and in generating employment and helping people grow and all that kind of stuff. So I've been running my own business, uh, GDP Partnership, for the last eight years. Um, it's a funding business. We've a debt business. I'm involved in green energy and all kinds of stuff. So that's really interesting as well. And outside of that, I suppose I'm a I'm a social Ironman. Let's call it that. I I train every day. Um, I swim, I cycle, or I run most days. And I'm normally for the last four years I've been, I suppose I've done seven Ironman triathlons in the last four years, and I'm doing number eight in a couple of weeks' time. So, yeah, that's sort of that's sort of me in mm. a nutshell. In 2007, you were on a honeymoon in Mauritius of all places when you started getting pins and needles in your hands. Am I right? by saying, what? You were struck down by MS at the age of 28, is that right? Yeah, the way you sort of, it's interesting, um, MS sort of seems to attack people who are in their prime in life between the ages of 20 and 40, and it comes at you out of the blue completely. So we had a chat about this before we went yes. live, and at that time I was uh, 27 years of age, and I was a director in a property company, I was doing really well, financially I had a few pounds in my pocket, um, Life was good. I was getting mm. married at the time. And then, uh, obviously, first day in Mauritius, my whole body started doing stuff that I never should be doing. Um, that was where my central nervous system, I know this now, started to attack my own body. And over the next 12 months, I had a pretty disastrous time, really bad health. So it went from, you know, things couldn't really get any better to, you know, just disasterville. So I whenever I'm out speaking in schools and stuff, I that's whenever I hit my, my first real wall in life. And that was 13 years ago. And I mean, it was a pretty traumatic time in my life. So, and it sort of changed the direction and the course of my life um, to where we find ourselves tonight talking about this. So yeah, it, it, it was something obviously I hadn't planned. Um, MS, I didn't even know what MS meant at the time. Um, so multiple sclerosis is, is uh, an autoimmune condition where for some odd, no, some reason not known to the medical profession, our bodies um, attack the myelin sheath that protects the nerves and causes all kinds of problems. It can cause motor problems. It can cause sensory problems. Um, they tell you on diagnosis that 25% of the people are, that are diagnosed are in a wheelchair within 10 years. Um, particularly in Ireland, it's a very negative condition. One of the reasons I do these kinds of things, one of the reasons I, I, I write books, one of the reasons I, I launch my website, is to try and change that perception of MS in Ireland and I suppose around the world um, because hopefully my journey is, is a more positive uh, story about MS whereas at that time um, I couldn't find anyone in mm -hmm. Ireland or England or UK or Europe or across the world who had anything positive to say so no it wiped me out for sure um, and as I say it does seem to have this uh, thing where it seems to hit people out of the blue and just wrecks your life. Are you, is there any resentment or any bitterness? You said the trajectory of your life went in a completely different direction. If, hypothetically speaking, this didn't occur, 
where do you think you'd be sitting and standing now? Um, honestly, no idea. Uh, I think I, I've, I've certainly no resentment. I think w- whenever stuff like that happens, you sort of go through what is the five or the seven stages of, of mourning. Like yeah. it's, it's it's like a death. Like it's it's just it's a dream stealer. You know, you, you're you're a young man. I'm I'm still think I'm relatively young at forty one. But <laughs> we've we've all got dreams and aspirations in life. We all have plans and ideas and. We want to travel, we want to meet people, we want to be successful, whatever that means. And then along comes this diagnosis or a traumatic event in your life. And what do you do? How do you react to that? And I mean, resentment was never something that's probably the first couple of years, you know, you do that you do go through the why me mm. stage, you know. I missed the first you know, you're you're talking to me tonight in my home. I'm sitting in a pair of shorts, I'm I'm getting ready to do an Iron Man, but you know, thirteen years ago. I was in bed for a year. Um, I missed 2007, 8 and nine's Christmas dinners. We normally go home for Christmas. Um, I didn't go downstairs in my mum's house because I didn't want to annoy people at the, at the table. You know, I, could, I struggled to walk. I had a hu- huge problem of, of, of pain and tension and stress in my head for years. I couldn't swallow for years. I mean, the person you're looking talking to tonight is, is it's, it's totally different to the person who was really ill for a long time. Um, and that's been a journey in itself. Uh, so, yeah, you do. You go through. You go through a, a lot of grief and and a lot of pain and all those things. But at some point in time, in in that journey, you you have a decision to make. Um, and for me, I think that decision. I talk about coming to the fork in the road. If you go left, as we give up, or you turn right, and you decide to try and take back control and try and fight this thing and try and get your life back. And thankfully, that's something on the journey that I'm still on to this day are you a religious man i'd be a spiritual guy okay. um um i am from the catholic background so you know I, I go to mass when i can um i think you know i grew up in a pretty traditional catholic home my mum and dad would be religious um and i've got great faith i've got great faith in life and in myself um and i think whenever you're really you know on the ground and whenever you're really uh, struggling in life for me, if you are someone of faith or of spirit, I think it can be a bit easier because um, for me, I found it helpful to have that faith and spirit, uh, which which certainly got me through some of the darker days. And, like, and, so. and, and, and is that what got you through those initial dark days? You said you were in a bed for essentially three years. When when was it that you decided to sort of take a, take a stronghold on this condition and start sort of changing your life, I suppose? Well... To give your listeners a, a a better understanding of me, the person, um, I grew up as a young kid in Tyrone as someone who was mad about football. Mm-hmm. You were a semi-professional footballer once. Yeah, didn't you? I've done. I've I've I've. Whenever I was ten, I mean, I've I've been told that to be an expert in something, you need to do about ten thousand hours. hours yeah. And I had figured out that by eleven, I had about eight thousand hours done. <laughs> Uh, I was well on my way to being pretty handy at football, both soccer and Gaelic. But through school, like I always would have captained the teams. I knew at that time that I appeared to be better than most of the guys, and I'm not saying that in a big head away, I'm just telling you it is. Um, I always wanted to play for Man United um, and wanted to play for Tyrone. So I've, I've done really well uh, from a sporting aspect. And I think one of the things about sport is uh, I always encourage people you know, especially kids when I'm out talking to engage in, in your passion, whatever it is, if it's sport, mm-hmm. if it's drama, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Mm-hmm. But for me, I learned an awful lot in that changing room and with my 
sporting mates you know, in terms of character and desire and drive and determination and fighting spirit and never giving up no matter how hard things are and I'm pretty sure and certain that in my DNA whenever I was 27 years of age I had that spirit and I talk about a fire in my belly that was nearly out but it just wasn't out and I think my upbringing and the environment that I was brought up in in terms of my sporting uh, background definitely helped me believe that I could I could fight this thing and I can come back stronger here um, I've said that a number of times and I do believe that is the case and you did come back stronger you're as you said yourself you're about to do the the Ironman down in Cork next week that that'll be your eighth Ironman is that right yeah it's number eight so I've done five half Ironman triathlons and I've done two full so this will be my third full distance triathlon so so this is a guy just about 13, 14 years ago now, was bedridden for three years and now is about to complete his fourth or his, his seventh Ironman. I mean, that's absolutely amazing. And congratulations to yourself for not just achieving that, but everything else that you've done so far to date. There's obviously a massive covers that we need to do to, do, to, 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 to cover your, your, your story here, here, Connor. But within those days, there was a couple of people that really sort of came to the fore. Mont- Montel Williams was one. Was he the first person who really kind of sparked or ignited that that fire in your belly yeah so i think in life i think in life all of us are looking for hope h-o-p-e hope and i trade in hope like this is the reason this is why i get up every day um and the problem that i had at that that at that time was i couldn't find anyone in ireland in particular to give me hope that i was being pigeonholed uh, and to believe that things were just going to get worse and my health would deteriorate unfortunately that's a pathway that many patients are still being put on who are diagnosed with MS and any other condition. And I just disagree with that whole conventional approach to illness. Um, and for me, I found myself meandering for four years where I was getting worse. My symptoms were getting worse. I had no hope. And then I came across this guy in New York called Montel Williams. And I found this guy was fascinating. And I remember I used to come home from primary school in Channel 4. He used to have his, his, his talk show and it used to be on in, in the living room at home. I used to watch this guy. So whenever I found him in 2010 online, I said, fuck, that's, that's the guy I used to mm. watch. I said, this guy's got MS, right? But, I mean, he looks fit. He's strong. He's got his own television company. You know, he was a Navy SEAL. He's went on to achieve in life. But he's had this diagnosis here. How, how can you do that? Because I couldn't believe, I, I couldn't understand, and certainly the information that I was getting from people was that that was all impossible. So Montel was certainly someone who gave me huge hope in life, and he... He was really a turning point. I got his books. I reached out to him. I was in touch with him. And then I started to really, which has really continued on over the last number of years, I started to look for people then who were really struggling in life, not just with MS, but with other things, and try and figure out, well, you know, they've, they've been dealt these cards, and then how did they react to that? So how did they come back? And that led me to meet uh, people like Mark Pollock, who's a, someone I have huge admiration for. He's an Irish guy. And that led me to, to so put me in touch with lots of other people who have some challenge or maybe a number of challenges in life, but they haven't let that define them. And I get great courage and strength from those kinds of people. You, you, you speak at, a, at an awful lot of uh, schools and seminars and, and conferences. Would that be one of the kind of focal points of your, your talks to tell people to find a mentor in life uh, and stick by their side and learn from them? Or what kind of golden nuggets would you give would you give to 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 a young person these days well um 
Well, I, I, I think it's important to let young people sort of find their own way. I try yes. and encourage them to, to engage in personal development. Warren Buffett goes out um, every year to his local university and the most asked question, Warren Buffett from Berkshire yes. Hathaway, the biggest investment vehicle in the world, the richest man in the world. He floats between one and three, him and Bill Gates and Carlos Slim. But the question that the students ask of Buffett, the most popular question is, uh, excuse me, Mr. Buffett, but you know, what has been your best investment? You know, he owns Kraft, he owns Heinz, he owns big chunks of Coca-Cola. And his answer is the same all the time. It is the best investment I ever made is in myself through personal development. And whenever you're out speaking to schools and you're talking to 15, 60, they understand that. That's very simple to understand. Invest in yourself. So for me, I was introduced to personal development 12 months into my MS diagnosis. And for the last 13 years, I have immersed myself in growing and trying to add new skills to my repertoire and whenever I'm out speaking to people especially in the, with the schools I'm really passionate about getting the young people because young people need a lot of guidance today there's a lot of noise out there in this new social media era that we're living in um, I would encourage them to engage in personal development um, I encourage people to ask lots of questions but as people get a little bit older and you get to university I think we had the chat you're 27 and stuff and I think there's three, there's three big questions. This is, this is quite deep, but it's good to get into this. Yeah. There's three big questions in, in life that I think at some point in time, I would recommend you ask yourself and then hopefully you'll be able to answer them. And it's, it's who are you, what do you want and how are you going to get there? And I know people who go through their whole life and pass away and never get to a point where they think they need to ask them questions or they even know they ask themselves those questions. But that's a big question for anyone listening to this. You know, who are you? So for me, it took me probably, it's only in the last 18 months, two years that I've actually figured out, well, who I actually am. And then, well, what do I want? So, you know, what do you want to do? We talked about this. I've got my mm -hmm. own business. I've talked about, do want to build a big health business? I want to change lives. It's taken me to get to 40, 39, 40, 41 to figure out well, what do you want? And then thirdly then is how are you going to get it? So those are three massive questions that I've actually covered on my YouTube channel if people want to get in and, and, and have a look at that. But for me, it's, it's, it's questions like that where you, you ask yourself. And I think you have to be at a certain level of, of maturity and experience and a lot of trauma in there to get to a point where I've come through so much shit where I've, to, I've had to get to a level of my own development where I can now both ask and then answer those three huge questions. And they're life-defining. I wouldn't rattle that out at an assembly hall of 316 year olds because it's too heavy <laughs> but certainly for a lot of your demographic mm. um, that's something that I think people should think about you you speak about hitting walls in your life do you think they they're important for our own personal development you say you talk you speak about it's never the actual event it's all about the response you know there's some people who live gifted lives and they never hit any walls whatsoever do you think it's it's imperative, very, very important for people to, to experience some sort of adversity within their life to be able to appreciate it, I suppose? I think so, but I, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't think I would necessarily follow. I, I, I am very fortunate in that um, I'm still a young man and I've met and I've done business with and I'm friends with literally thousands of people. And I haven't met anyone yet who has had no problems. So... Um, some problems, you, some, sometimes you can tell from people by meeting them that there's a lot of issues going on. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you meet people and you think, fuck, he, he, his life's perfect or her life's perfect. But once you lift the bonnet, you know it's not. Um, 
I'm an advocate and passionate about mental health and you know every single one of us who are tramping the earth at the moment have some level of mental health issues we think about it all the day every every day um, and there's always anxiety and stress and that's becoming a lot more in this new modern world that we're living in so I think all of us have challenges some of us have more challenges than others but I think over the course of the I mean the average age I think in Ireland at the minute to lived about 81 82 I think over the course of your life you know all of us none of us are getting out of here alive and you're going to have to face all kinds of trauma um, some people are very unfortunate that, that they have that in the first 20, 30 years of their life. Some people get through to 40 and everything's great and then fucking disaster. For me, I was very fortunate because my mum and dad, who are great people and are still alive, and I was very fortunate to grow up in a loving home. Um, I was I was okay to be 27 and then boom, nuclear bomb. You know, mm-hmm. sick, MS, disasterville. Um, and then I've had other traumatic events in the last 13 years with the breakdown of my marriage and subsequent divorce and other stuff, family issues that goes on with all of us. But the, I suppose the point I'm trying to make to you is that, you know, you're not going to get through this life with no hassle. Like it's, and the older that you get, the problems seem to come quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, the challenge in all of this is, is, you know, I'm now quite a calm person. Um, you have to figure out a way to deal with all this stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm a solutions man. I'm, my, my businesses are all provide solutions. I'm always trying to fix stuff. Um, so, you know, I think... You do need a certain level of experience to, to come out with maybe what, I, what I'm saying now. But if anyone's listening and their life's great at the minute, you know, suck it up. That's fantastic. But certainly be prepared um, that it's, there's, there's always something not that far away that's going to cause some trauma in your life. And when it, when it does occur, what do you say to people? Is there, is there a, a five-point plan that you have? Or is there anything, you know, some people say, oh, just take a breath, breathe, you know go for a long walk, go for a jog. Is there anything in particular that, that you do yourself personally that has kind of has, has, has stood the test of time yeah, and well, helped you? If, you? if you look at it, so there's so many things that can go wrong in life. So if you look at my own and then if people can take from that what they will, um, I got diagnosed with a very serious condition at 27, 28 after 12 months and no symptoms before that. Um, so what I had to do then, what I say to people is I had to become a student of the condition. Yeah. So once I figured out that there's nobody can help me here, only, you know, my doctor can't help me, my neurologist can't help me, my, my mum can't help me, I have to help myself. Mm-hmm. And that's whenever you have to take ownership and responsibility for your for yourself and for your condition. You can't blame people. Um, the only way you're going to heal, recover, be successful, do all of those things, it's all by taking ownership. One of the interesting things probably about me is from I was a young boy, I've I've always been fairly self-reliant. I left home at 18, I went to New York to play football, lived in Manhattan. I went to Australia after that. Um, I don't depend on any anyone for anything. And from my left, eight, left home at 18, I have been hugely self-reliant. So one of my mentors who's no longer here is a guy called Jim Rowan, who is the king of personal development for me. His stuff's on YouTube, guys. So if you're interested in growing and adding value and becoming a better person, let's all get on to Jim Rohn's stuff. Um, Jim Rohn was one of Tony Robbins' mentors. He's just an incredible person and all this stuff's free. And um, I found, I found uh, myself, one of the things that Jim Rohn says is that to progress in life, you need to become self-reliant, Right. And I think that's something that I'm not hearing people in Ireland talk about. We talk about discipline a lot. But this whole thing, Dennis, of being self-reliant, where you don't depend on people for anything. How empowering is that? Mm. 
I mean, I don't, I, nobody gives me anything, so I've, I've had to do all this myself. So whenever you're diagnosed for me, then once I accepted that, you know, the only person that can fix me is myself, um, that was the start of my recovery journey. And then you were led on to reading about people like Dr. Terry Walls, who kind of set you off, essentially. <laughs> this is a very, very pivotal point of the podcast, because it's something I'm massively interested in myself. You changed things about your lifestyle, in particular your diet, to sort of, I suppose, manage your symptoms, manage your condition. Talk to, talk to us about the, the train of thought that, that kind of occurred and the, 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 the events that led to you essentially turning to a, a plant-based... Uh... Yeah, so it's, it's a, it, it, it is a big um, thing that happened to me in my life, I suppose, in April 2016, after about six years of research, uh, personal research, of reading books, of watching documentaries, of speaking to people, uh, speaking to patients, I decided to make the difficult decision to stop conventional medication. I was I was injecting Copaxin every night for nine years. And to start treating my condition um, by way of lifestyle changes, which was um, exercising every day um, and also going plant-based. So I removed meat and dairy products from my diet. And the reason for that really was that at that time I had enough evidence and confidence that this new plan was going to work better than the one I was on. And it's interesting because some of the top neurologists in the world now are, are, are basically saying that exercise is a form of a disease-modifying therapy. therapy. Um, I mean, that's fascinating. And 10 years ago, whenever I was in the thick of MS, they weren't talking about exercise as being a disease-modifying therapy. So um, that was good. And then whenever, the, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of science in terms of uh, MS patients. Dr. Roy Swank is a very well-known neurologist from 50 or 60 years ago, and he'd done a huge trial which lasted for 30 years. And he was able to determine that those MS patients who reduce their intake of saturated fat to less than 15 milligrams a day tend to have better outcomes over the period of their lifetimes, right? Mm. Now, a lot of this data is buried because it doesn't sit well with people who are selling pharmaceutical products. But what he was basically saying was, you know, if you cut out... Meat, for me, then had to go because it's high in saturated fat and cholesterol and all the other stuff that's in meat products. And then dairy is high in saturated fat and cholesterol and all the other things. So for me personally, I just needed to take all that crap out of my diet, go on a plant-based diet. So one of the big problems, one of the drivers of all kinds of disease right now is inflammation. It drives cancer, it drives depression, it drives autoimmune. So inflammation is a problem in the body. So it doesn't, it wouldn't take a... a rocket scientist then to figure out that what if I had a diet that was highly anti-inflammatory so the most anti-inflammatory diet you can eat is a plant-based diet where you're eating fruit and vegetables all day right so like it's not that difficult to understand once you actually look at it in black and white and then I started to come across a lot of these people like if you look at Dr. Terry Walls' story I mean that's a fascinating story and it's not it's not made up. She's all over the American TV channel. She's written her own book. Here was a, a neurologist, highly got in her field of medicine, who contracted MS, who then deteriorated very badly over a two-year period, who was on every drug under the sun because she had access to all the drugs. Her decline kept going. She decided then to stop taking the medication and to 
start to eat food that was complementary to brain health, which was for the most part a plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. And not only did she arrest her decline, but she started to feel improvement. And at that time she was in a chair, a recliner full time. And within 18 months then she was cycling to work. Now this is all, this isn't like Disneyland stuff. It's not a movie. This is real stuff. And once I started to find people like Dr. Terry Walls and others, and then I went and I watched her YouTube uh, video, which is 19 minutes. It's called Minding Your Mitochondria. It's the, te- the TED Talk she did. The, te- the TED Talk. And I started to figure out, listening to Dr. Terry Walls, that, you know, we have 5 billion plus cells in our body and once all of our cells die, we die. Yeah. And in each cell is the mitochondria. Mm-hmm. And the trick is, if you can get the mitochondria fired up, the cell will be healthy, more or less. I'm a great man for keeping it simple. And how do you fire up the f- mitochondria? Through your nutrition. So for me, it's just, it's just fascinating because in the world we live in now, um, and then once, once you start watching documentaries like Cowspiracy and What the Health, guys like Keegan Parker who are actually uh, raising huge awareness about this, you start to understand the grip uh, that agriculture, agriculture has on economies and on countries and on governments. You start to understand the grip that big pharmaceutical companies have on, uh, on economies and on governments and influence and it starts to get quite dark. So, I mean, for me as a human being, I mean, one of the things that Jim Rohn says all the time is to ask questions and try and figure out how everything works, try and figure out how governments work, try and figure out how business works, try and figure out how your body works, try and figure out how your car works. Become self-reliant, don't, don't be dependent on what other people say. And to be quite honest, like that's how I sort of lead my life now. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of just scratching the surface on everything I'm doing at the moment because there's so much more I want to learn, I want to grow. Um, but in terms of my journey of recovery, of healing from MS, that uh, all came about by me taking ownership myself and then trying to find people like Dr. Walls uh, and others who were on similar paths. Because one of the things that Will Smith, who I'm a big fan of, the actor, um, I think he's amazing. One of the things that Will Smith says is that, you know, most things in life and the world at the minute has been done already. Don't try and figure it out yourself. Try and find other people who have done it. And don't, don't reinvent the wheel, isn't it? Well, that's what he's don't, don't Don't reinvent the wheel. And, and the thing about it is now that we have clearly the internet and stuff, you have access to everyone through Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just amazing. So that, that's that been... Um, it's, I'm just personally, it's like an outer body experience. I'm just fascinated in people and how they react to things and then how they've been able to recover. And that my own story, which is ongoing, has slotted in there as well. So, Can, can you talk about the specific uh, benefits, bodily benefits that you, that you noticed or experienced from going plant-based? So in April 20, and the 20th of April 2016, I had my last injection. And what used to happen to me whenever I injected... I mean, you just must have been hugely fearful stopping this medication you know that was a real kind of tipping edge within your ms story that you were going to stopping you stop your medication completely and then also go to a plant-based diet like i mean tell us a bit of the fear that you were uh, you were you were experiencing at the time and then the actual symptomatic relief that you got from the the diet so uh, so i would describe myself as being someone who's, who's quite measured and i wouldn't and by the way i'm not telling people to stop medication i'm 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 not saying that i'm telling people my story um, which is applicable to me. Um, but around about 2014, I started to become very uncomfortable with taking the medication because I was starting to get more contradictory feedback. And 
I just didn't feel as if my body was getting any particular benefits. I mean, there's lots of side effects with every medication. Yeah. They're all listed there. So, I mean, I was just getting lots of side effects. And, um, and then I started to figure out something which was an icebreaker for me. It was like, medication is designed by its very nature to manage disease, mm. not induce health. I mean, that's, that, that's an, an amazing statement. I think medication manages disease very badly. That's the first thing, all medications. Um, and once I started to figure out the only way that I can facilitate the, facilitate the actual recovery in my body is to change my lifestyle, to change my food. Food is medicine. And it's just fascinating, like over the last 10 years and then five years, I mean, the interest in veganism and going plant-based and all those things. But back back to the question that you had asked, around about 2016, I had against I asked my neurologist, I remember saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop taking the medication. And he said, like, what do you mean? I said, well, I just, I just don't want to take it anymore. I don't think it's helped me. He said, right, okay, well, look, I, I really would advise you to, to stay on the medication. And that was traumatic for me because mm. this is a guy who trained, and I really admired this guy. He was very sharp, and personally, I liked him. But I had decided myself after nine years that I was going to go a different path. And that was a scary moment for me. And, and for the next 12, 18 months, I was still... Because MS can hit you and the, the, the relapses can hit you anytime. So there's no certainty in life, certainly not with someone diagnosed with MS. But interestingly, within after about 28 days of no medication and then going plant-based, I started, I started to experience incredible clarity of thought. Uh, and a lot of people, if you talk to people like this who are maybe go vegan or go plant-based, they, they talk about this mental clarity. Um, it's like a fog lifts. Mm. And... You know, if you think about it, if you're not eating crap for a month, you know, if you're drink, if you go off a drink for a month, you're a lot sharper. You know, simple as that. But it's the same as the food thing. And I started to find, oh, I'm feeling a lot better. And then my symptoms over the next two years started to regress and decline. I mean, I keep before you go tonight, I I keep a, a diary of how I'm feeling every day. At night, eleven o'clock, I'll write it. Felt like shit today. Fucking disaster pins and needles all over my body so and the reason I personally had been doing that is because it's very hard to remember and then I wanted to track recovery if any yes of course right because we don't know because the hours the days the weeks the months just go past in years so I, I can track that right back to 2012 and I know exactly so what I would say to you is that over the last I've been plant-based now three years last month and my recovery and healing and repairing has been phenomenal really so yeah so within three months six months i started to have more good days and in the first three or four years i never had any good days so what's a good day a good day is where you're nearly symptom free or you feel like you used to feel years ago what, what is the major symptom that you normally experience? pins and needles pressure in your head you feel awful msy you feel uh flu you've no energy um Lermity's pain this is like electrical shock type thing can happen anywhere in your body you just feel really rough like okay. a really bad hangover Okay. and that went on for years and then I started to experience once I went plant based I started to experience more good days more better days then some great days and then some uh, a, a gap then of, of really good health and over the last three years I mean it's ongoing with me I'm not I'm, I'm like I've, I've had a shit couple of days I don't feel too bad today in terms of um got a sinus issue going on which I don't know it seems to have a neurological impact whenever my sinuses flare up but 
to conclude in this part of it, I, I would, I would, I, I can hand and heart say that my health and my symptoms have reduced massively since I stopped medication and went on this new regime. It's been incredible. This all kind of came at a, at a tipping point with regards to not just obviously the, the the condition, the disease that you were just after being diagnosed with, but you had two kids who were at very pivotal times. You know, there was a lot of stuff going on within your life. Um, how do, like I just I'm 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 I I find it inspiring that you were able to just just have the resolve to stay calm, cool, collected, crisp. Is 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 this? Am I painting the right picture, or was it literally you kind of all arms and legs flapping, uh, trying to stay afloat? Um, or how yeah, was it? no, I think I think you've just probably caught me at the right time. <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, yeah, uh, no, no, I wouldn't. No, I mean, like it wasn't pretty, was it? No, no, my my life has been probably, uh, I would say, from the day I got diagnosed. Um, to up until about 18 months ago was a combination of hell, uh, disaster, um, hard to keep going. Um, there's plenty of times I talked about this in my first book in the early years at suicidal thoughts and um, something I'm comfortable talking about. I, I think a lot of people have suicidal thoughts, but not, you know, I didn't ever plan to kill myself and stuff, but just so dark and yeah. so down and can I go on and fuck do I want to go on the pain I was going through I just I just couldn't see I couldn't see any kind of positivity for years and years and years and I suppose it's hard for you to visualise that now because you're seeing someone who's probably quite calm and collected and stuff and all the rest of it but no uh, for my people who were close to me um, they will know that you know I've come through an awful lot personally um, and I think, you know, with the illness, uh, managing the body, the whole MS thing, and then something else that it, I went through, a very, something that's very personal to me, I went through a, a divorce, which was hugely traumatic, um, becoming a single dad, rearing, looking after a three-year-old and a five-year-old at that time, they're now six and eight, dealing with all that stuff at that time um, was a huge... How, how do you do that? Do you do you just literally just do it? So, so it was easy enough in one respect because I had no choice. Yeah, I had there was nobody else going to do it. So back to my self reliance yes. thing. I had to fix this. I had to deal with this. Um, I had to figure out a way where I could run my businesses, where I could drop kids off to school, where I could pick kids up, where I could change nappies, where I could bath them, where I could do all this stuff, and still stay sane like that was and to be totally honest um, for me I am incredibly proud of where I'm at right now because my kids are really healthy they're really happy they're doing brilliant in school and they're both plant based and we have a we have a good team in the house you arrived up tonight that's not it's, put on it's, it's brilliant it's we have a good team. It really is. They're, they're great fun it's amazing um, they're really interested in food you know Liliana is they just the the biggest gift that I'll ever be able to give the kids I think looking back in 20 years time will be introducing them to this kind of lifestyle and the lifestyle I lead is yes I'm really interested in business and 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 uh, creating jobs and all that sort of stuff that's 
that's something I'm really interested in. But for me, it's all about health. Mm-hmm. And it's all about bringing my kids up in an environment which is healthy, which is exercise. We're plant-based. I mean, we move all the time. We train together. We shop together. And for me, to bring the kids up into a plant-based lifestyle, like if they go on in later life, I think that's the best thing that I'll have been able to give them. And I just know in 10 or 20 years' time looking back because they just love it. Mm. And now Liliana said to me today, coming home in the car, you know, like all the children, like there's no dairy milk in school now. It's all alternative milk and soy like that. I asked because of us, you know, we've been telling the teachers. And that kind of thing for me, like I get so much out of that. And it just has validated, like to be successful in life at anything. I've been very fortunate in business in that I've worked with a lot of really successful people in Ireland. And... You know, I've, I've got to find out what makes them tick. Mm-hmm. And behind a lot of these men and women is tragedy and trauma. And a lot of them fall off, uh, fall off the wagon and turn to addiction, gambling, sex, whatever it is. So I've, I've been able to sort of, I've gained great experience and knowledge of people. I mean, I, I, if people say to me, what do you do? Well, you know, I, I study people for a living. I mean, I'm really interested in people's behavior. I'm fascinated by, by people in general. So. I think I've been able to cram all that, Dennis, in the last 13 years and hopefully about 18 months ago I was able to let go in terms of the uh, the pain and the destruction and the hurt of coming out of a marriage that didn't work um, to let go of that and cut the cord and try and create this new life which is the life that you've walked into this evening where we've got our happy home, yeah. kids are happy, healthy and all sort of stuff. So... Um, no, a lot of a lot of pain in there. I mean, it'd be it's 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 sort of too much to put into words. Yeah, no, but I can, I can incredibly imagine. empowering. Like once mm-hmm. you actually, you know, when you say, say come you through you all that go. stuff, and then you can let go, and then if you can manage all that, then you can like for me personally, I'm at a point now in my life where I'm hugely focused, and I'm sort of I know what I want to do over the next five years, and I'm really excited, I'm really positive uh, about what the future holds. So. And the future is is just around the corner, it seems as well, um, Connor. I'm 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 really interested to hear about this new venture that you were speaking of with regards to uh, incorporating health into a new business idea or venture that you're that you're that you're about to get, going to get into. Yeah. So my my plan is, um, I hope to exit my conventional business, so I own a a finance or a real estate funding business, yep. and I'm hoping to sell that in the next thirty six months. And then I want to jump straight into the health sector. Um, and what I really mean by that is I suppose I'm hugely passionate about health. Um, obviously, my life leads naturally into that sector in terms of my journey of recovery and healing. Um, I did the Late Late Show in 2013 mm-hmm. and the feedback I got from being on sharing that show was incredible and that was really whenever my story of recovery stopped being about me because I knew that I could help so many people by just sharing resources and sharing information. And that over the last five or six years, I mean, I would have people engaging me every day on all of the social media platforms asking me for advice. So I don't give advice. Um, I just signpost people to resources. Um, I never say, say to people, you need to go plant-based, you need to start out, you need to do this, that and the other. Because I, as I said off, off mic, there's nothing worse than sort of saying to people, you know, you need to do this or pontificating to yeah, people about yeah. life and what they should eat. Empowering and So I'm just hugely passionate about, about health and I'm hugely passionate about changing lives and helping people. Um, and I've found over the last three or four years that people are really interested in, in my story 
Um, and I've now I've built a, a, a community online through my website and my books and, and my Instagram. I suppose I use all the, the social media platforms. I use LinkedIn for business, Twitter for news, and, 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 and I think I use Instagram pretty much for my, that's me, my lifestyle, that's my health. And there's just so many people down that are really interested in this, and it's a global thing. And, and what I want to do is I want to spend more time doing that. Um, so yeah, I want to exit my business in the next 36 months and jump into the health market. I mean, there's a company called Herbal Life, which most people know of, but nobody knows of a guy called Mark Jones. And the sad thing about Mark Jones is that Mark Jones was a young entrepreneur who decided to start Herbal Life. So he was the founding partner of Herbal Life. And Herbal Life has went on to become one of the most successful health companies in the world, right? Now, Basically, they sell supplements. And you don't have to like their products. I'm just telling you that Herbalife, they sponsor LA Galaxy. It's a multi-million dollar operation. But whenever I came across Herbalife, um, and whenever I get into my health business, whatever that shape that may take, I'm not saying I'm going to sell supplements. It's, it's not what I'm saying. But, but, but Herbalife has created a lot of employment. It's created a huge community. There's thousands of people, blah, blah, blah. It's done a lot of good. Mm-hmm. But... Why does nobody know that Mark Jones took his own life? Why does nobody know that Mark Jones drank himself to death? There's a whole sad part to that. And I'm fascinated by all these kinds of things. And, you know, for me, um, I like, you know, I would I like the thought of creating change, of being the change, of creating positive change. And I know from what I've been up to over the last three or four years that I can do that. And I'm just really excited because I'll still probably be 43, 44, 45. I'm really excited about the potential of me jumping into that health sector on a full-time basis. So that's something I'm hugely excited about. I'm speaking to um, different people uh, about different products and different things. So very open-minded on how that is going to take shape. Um, I'm excited because I don't even know yet. Mm-hmm. I have a fair idea okay. where that's going. Well, make sure to... Uh to, to glue into to Connor's uh, Connor stuff on Instagram is it just Connor Devine on Instagram or where where's, yeah, best, just, where's the best platform to find uh, yeah find well it? probably um, look you can get me in the mall I'm on I'm on Facebook I'm on I'm on Twitter and Instagram so it's Connor Devine and I am on Instagram so yeah definitely make sure to check that out some very niche questions just before we finish please uh, Connor a um, hundred euro or pound which has most positively affected or impacted your life oh. I would imagine easily it's investing that hundred pounds in books. Okay. Investing invest in yourself. Absolutely. You want it's the only way. Yeah, I mean the best the 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 there's a book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which I read every year. It's mm-hmm. an amazing book. It's one of the biggest uh, selling business books of all time. But I mean that was twelve quid. <laughs> it's it's actually the very next question is is a book that's impacted you the most. So Think and Grow Rich, um, for, I mean, there's 17 principles of success there. The story behind Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, it's just fascinating. Um, Grinding It Out by Ray Kroc, a 49-year-old failed alcoholic paper salesman, um, sitting outside a restaurant in 1949, California, looking in, seeing these people walk the same, talk the same. That was the start of the McDonald's global conglomerate. So Ray Kroc, Grinding It Out. The China study has made a huge impact on me um, by... Uh, Dr. Colin Campbell. Um, uh, Dr. Colin Campbell is one of the go-to cancer doctors in the world. I read it 18 months ago. Incredible book. Um, 
made a huge impact on me. So yeah, there's three books for your listeners yeah. to Great. pick up. Your favorite failure, Connor? Uh, I just fail every day. So I mean, I I I I come across someone who's probably measured, but I mean, everything's tough for me. Like so, mm. you know, it's hard. Um, I I I genuinely. Uh, and whether I'm exercising, I, I swam a mile today. I wanted to swim a bit more. I wanted my swim to be better, and um, so it wasn't a perfect swim. Um, I lost some business deals today, but you know, so I, I genuinely failure is something that I have become accustomed to, and I'm just learning all the time. So I, I've learned not to take any of this stuff personally. Uh, so failure is not it's it's something that sits very comfortably with me. It's okay. no hassle. And just in terms of failure, is there is there any way of uh, self help or self care? that you you'd use or do, say, after a long week or a long day, that, that helps you to kind of un- relax or unwind? Yeah, look, um, exercise is an incredible yeah, way to, to detach yourself from that. Um, I've really sort of fallen uh, in love is a very far too strong word for this, but <laughs> uh, I really get into swimming. Mm. Um, I mean, uh, when you're swimming, you're underwater, there's no, you, nobody can get a hold of you. Like, they don't even know where you are. You can't phone you, WhatsApp you, fuck all. Like, so... Swimming's a real great place where nobody will probably be able to find you and ask you stuff. Am, am I right by saying that you learned how to swim at a very late age as well? So, yeah, I, most people, you talk about doing triathlons and stuff, they say, oh, fuck, I could never do the swim. Um, so the way to get your head around that is, first of all, you you want you have to want to swim, but uh, take one or two lessons and, and get on YouTube. So no, I, I, I sort of took two lessons uh, about four years ago and then I just got in the pool, kept going, kept going. That's kept amazing. Going. So now I can nearly, you know, make my own swimming videos. So Very nice. Is there anyone who has inspired you or that you use as a source of inspiration? Well, I'll have my two kids' uh, photographs cut out on my bike for my eight-hour cycle in two weeks' time. Um, it's a good question, but, you know, and, and the obvious answer sometimes is, is famous people or people, but... I do, whenever I'm out speaking to people, there's, there's inspirational people er- everywhere. And it's normally people close to you, your family members and stuff. I mean, I, everybody inspires me, I know. Like it's a, I just know how, life, how tough life is. But particularly at the moment, my two kids are incredible company and I get great strength from watching them grow. So for me, I have a huge why to keep going and to push on and start really knocking this out of the park. So you know, my two kids would be cornerstone of that. Brilliant. How would you like to be remembered? Oh. Well, um, as I've mentioned, I've mentioned Jim Rohn a couple, Jim Rohn a couple of times. And there's a couple of books. Um, there's the Twelve Pillars, um, by Jim Rohn and Chris Widener, and then there's a, there's a book called Above All Else, and there's a quote actually in Above All Else, which uh, is, Above all else, guard your soul, for it is the wellspring of life. And I've actually got it tattooed here. Oh, there you go. Um, and. Jim Rohn says, you know, why not leave a legacy? And I would love, I have so much to do over the next, I think I'm going to live to over 100. So I have another 59 years plus to go. So I have a lot of stuff to do, but I'd like people to look back and say, you know, he was a good guy, he was a man full of integrity. He changed lives, he'd done a lot of good stuff. Um, so if that, if, if I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with saying those kinds of things. But that's, that's sort of what I want to do. Brilliant. And the final one I have here is... Um if you have one piece of advice for a person person who has just received a, a diagnosis of a chronic illness, what advice would that be to them in terms of starting their journey and 
I suppose the the tumultuous time they're about to experience. Yeah, so that, that's a really good, really good question. And um, so, if anyone uh, gets diagnosed or becomes really unwell, or maybe maybe they lose someone close to them, or maybe they go through a financial disaster, crisis, or something really traumatic happens in your life. So, any one of those things. The one key piece of advice that I would share with people is this: is to always keep your mind open to the possibility that everything can improve no matter how dark it is. And I think if you do that, then you've given yourself a chance. And for me, some way or for some reason, I always kept that thought in the back of my mind, no matter how dark a days there were, even going through the traumatic events of my own marriage and stuff. I always kept that idea that, you know, things can get better, things can get better. And you know what, with time, things heal. Um, and for me personally, I've come through a lot of trauma over the last 13 years and things can get better. So, you know, hope is a great word. It's a small word. I talk about hope a lot. I've said it in this podcast, I trade in hope. And I just think it's a, it's, it's something that's very powerful. So if people take heed to that, um, I think they'll be on the, on the right path. Fantastic. There's nothing else really left to say here, folks, is all, well, apart from thank this fantastic wonderful gentleman who, who sits before me uh mr connor divine thank you so much for for taking the time to to speak to me on the on the podcast today and um and a, th- a special thank you to all our listeners well i know that they've gained some massive value and, and strength from your words today so uh please do make sure to check out connor's connor's story it really is inspiring guys and uh, his two kids are, are, are absolute dotes as well uh, i was very kindly welcomed as i came into connor's humble abode here so as i said connor all the best with everything and the best stuff with the triathlon next week all right man thank you very much that's great cheers